okay? So, um, this morning, I just want to give you a wee heads up as to where we're going in the month of January. Um, so next Sunday, all the way through January, so the Sundays through that time, which is the 9th, the 16th, the 23rd and the 30th, we're going to do a four-week series on spiritual warfare. Um, so we're going to spend time on this subject, recognising that this, this area is so often overlooked within the life of the church, so often avoided, uh, and yet it's a subject so integral to day-to-day -day Christian living. Um, so this is what we're going to focus on next week and for the next uh, four weeks. And the truth is we cannot thrive in the life that God has given us unless we know how to fight well in Jesus' name, unless we know what it means to put on the full armour, unless we know what it means to be more than conquerors under the reality of what has been achieved for us through the cross of Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I believe that this is going to be a really important series for us in the next four weeks, that God would really work in us and help us to see what it means to fight the good fight, to stand for him and to experience victory within our lives. So starting next Sunday, eh, this is what we're going to be doing in the month of January. And that means this morning we're going to spend time looking together at a standalone message on prayer. Eh, and this morning, as we're thinking about the subject of prayer, the title of our message is simply Prayer 2022. Prayer 2022. Um, we're thinking about what it looks like for us to have a healthy prayer life this new year. And we're going to spend time looking together at Psalm 51 really as a guide for how it is we should pray. So when you think about how we should pray, this is a question we often ask in a Christian life. How should we pray, both individually and together? Psalm 51 is a really helpful guide for us. David models what it looks like to pray in a way that glorifies God, in a way that grants us freedom, in a way that blesses other people. So the psalmist David prays like this, and may we learn from his example today. We read in verse 1, Psalm 51. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God. God of my salvation and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices. Whole burnt offerings, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Amen.
May God bless the reading of his word uh, this morning. Uh, so there is a lot we need to take hold of through this psalm. There's a lot within this. Uh, and I say there's a lot because the danger is that we can miss out on really the heart of what David is getting at within this psalm. What I mean by that is this. It's so easy for us to read the words from David and not fully come to terms with why it is he prays what he prays in Psalm 51. So a couple of questions we need to ask before we begin are these. What is David's motive and reasoning behind praying this kind of prayer? What is his motive and reasoning for this prayer? And what can we learn from how it is that David prays here? So what is David's motive and what can we learn from his example in prayer? And we understand this psalm when we understand the story of, the story of 2 Samuel and chapters 11 and 12. So 2 Samuel 11 and 12 is really the backdrop of this psalm and why David prays this prayer. And I would encourage you in your own time to read these chapters and discover for yourself in more detail the background behind Psalm 51. Let me just give you a brief summary before we get into it. So in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, we read that King David, when he was supposed to be at war with his army, fighting for God, was instead walking along the roof of his palace. And it was there that he saw a woman named Bathsheba bathing. David sees her. David summons her to his palace. David sleeps with her. And David sends Bathsheba back to her house. And Bathsheba later contacts David to tell him that she's pregnant. So David has a problem here. The king of Israel, the leader of God's people, has committed adultery. And there's every chance it's going to go public. So how does David respond in this moment? Well, he responds with a cover-up. David decides to deal with a situation by ordering Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite, to be killed. But he does it in such a way to make it look like Uriah was killed in battle. See, for David, he didn't want Uriah or anyone else to find out that Bathsheba is pregnant because of him. And alongside this, deep down, he wants Bathsheba for himself. And so in a relatively short period of time, David is both an adulterer and a murderer. And God responds to the sin that David has committed by sending a prophet Nathan to directly challenge him about his sin. And after Nathan challenges David about his sin, it's here that David's junk eventually catches up with him. And he's instantly convicted by what he has done. And it leads him to write this psalm, Psalm 51. So before we look at this psalm in its detail, there are a couple of initial points that I want us to, to understand in light of this backstory. So just a couple of foundational points before we look at the verses in detail. And I think this is helpful just to give us a clearer picture of David's heart and motivation. First of all, without question, this psalm we've read highlights the absolute necessity for every single one of us to have open and honest hearts before God in prayer. Absolutely essential. If we want to have this close relationship with God, we have to be honest with Him and what's going on within our lives. If we're finding something difficult, we come before God, we tell Him that, God, I'm finding it difficult. If we don't understand what to do, if we need wisdom, we come, come before God and we tell Him that. If we see evidence of God's goodness in our lives, we come before God, we thank Him, we rejoice in that. And like David, if we're living in unrepentant sin, 
we have to come before God and say, God, this is my sin. This is what I'm struggling with. I confess this sin before you. It's perhaps this last example that we find most difficult when it comes to being honest before God. I think it's, it's easy for us to recognize the blessings, to be honest before God and say, God, thank you for how you've blessed me. But when it comes to sin, it's difficult to be honest before God because we so often have a library of excuses when it comes to our sin. And these excuses prevent us from being open with God and confession to Him, recognizing the ways in which we have all fallen short. Let me just say, as we start our look at this psalm together, honesty and repentance go together. Honesty and repentance go together. If we're not repentant, we're not honest. If we're not honest, we're not repentant. Why is that? Because all of us sin, and all of us sin all the time. Every single day we sin. So every single day we need to repent. Every single day we need to come before God. Every day of 2022, we need to come before this holy God and say, God, forgive me of all my sin. If we're not doing that, then we're not living in God's will. So we need to humbly recognize our sin, bring it before God, confessing it, believing that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sin, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Secondly, just the first point I want us just to highlight. Second one is, another point that we discover from this psalm is that an open and honest heart before God is one that he can lead. It's one that he can lead. God leading our hearts, our minds, our very lives in repentance and renewal is the only way forward for us in 2022. And you'll see from this psalm that as David opens his heart before God, this openness, this transparency before God leads him to pray in a particular way and that then leads him to pray for something else which then leads him to pray for something else. And it's only when you get to the end of the psalm that you see that God's hand's been upon this entire psalm. God directed the psalm. God is the author of the psalm. David has been honest and then David has been led by God in his repentance. And it's resulted in this deeper fellowship between David and God. And I don't know about you, but in 2022, I want to be more like David. Not in terms of his sin areas, but in terms of the repentant areas. David recognizes and confesses his sin. He's open and honest before God, and then he is led by God in so many different ways. And this leading results in transformation and renewal and a fresh experience of God within his life. So I wonder in 2022, is this your prayer as well? Is this your prayer as well? Is it your deepest desire and longing to be honest before God? To be honest about how you're feeling, where you're at, what you're going through, the unconfessed sin in your life? Is this your deepest desire? And with honesty and repentance as your foundation, are you then willing to be led by Him? Are you willing to be led by God into the path that He has planned for you through prayer, through His Word, through your very life and all of the different circumstances of life? So these are just two initial points I want to share with you before we look at this psalm in greater detail. It's clear from this psalm that David was open and honest before God, point number one. And through his openness and honesty before God, he was then led by God and challenged and changed by God, point number two. So what can we learn from Psalm 51 in more detail that will help inform our prayer lives in 2022? Uh, this is, these are all points for myself, first and foremost, as I share this. I'm not sharing this thinking I've got it all together. I recognize 
that God is challenging me as much as he's challenging every single one of us. So let me just share the first point from Psalm 51. And it's this, David looks to God for abundant mercy. David looks to God for abundant mercy. Have a look at what we read in verses 1 to 2 of this psalm. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. So David says here in the first part of verse 1, be gracious to me. And that word gracious is a Hebrew word, chanan, chanan. And in the second part of verse 1, David says, according to your abundant compassion, which is a Hebrew word, rakam, rakam. So chanan and rakam. And both these words can be translated as mercy. So verse 1 could easily read like this. Be merciful to me or have mercy on me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my rebellion. Now, take stock of what David is doing here as he prays this to God. After all, the wrong that David has done, the adultery, the murder, the cover-up, the denial, he's now awakened to his sin. He's coming to his spiritual senses. He sees how big his sin is, but he knows that God is so much bigger than his sin. So he asks this God, who is bigger than a sin, for steadfast mercy. So he recognises just how gargantuan his sin is, but at the same time, he's like, God is way bigger than any of that. I'm going to turn to this God. I'm not going to focus on my sin. I'm going to turn to this God and believe that he's going to deal with all the junk and all the wrong that I've done. And notice here that David doesn't do what we so often do within our lives. See, when it comes to our sin, we often think that to deal with our sin correctly, we, we need to take some time out with God or some time out from God. And often that time out is used subconsciously to earn God's grace, favour and compassion. Perhaps you think that only after a certain time has passed and after a certain number of good deeds, only after that time and that level of obedience will you be eligible for God's mercy. It's what we do. We, we do something wrong. Okay, I'm going to take some time out for God. I'm going to do lots of good things. And then only then do we come to God and ask for mercy. And yet to do that is to make a mockery of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's to say to God, what you did by sending your son was not enough. Here's my contribution. It's Jesus plus the cross plus my good deeds and my efforts. So may we not do what we often do and believe a lie that we can earn God's favour through good deeds. Instead, may we do what David does within this passage. May we recognise that God, God's mercy is instant. Like we ask for God's mercy and instantly we receive his mercy. And it's complete. It removes the sin from our lives. We cry out for God's mercy immediately. As soon as we recognise our wrong and we understand with all that we are, that his mercy is always sufficient for us. Through God's mercy, we receive all the grace, all the favour, all the compassion that we need so that we can move forward. We don't need to think about the sin that's happened in the past. We can move forward into all that God has planned for us. We can trust God's mercy. It's something we can fully rely upon. No matter what it is we have done, it's a guaranteed gift to us. 
God's mercy is a guaranteed gift for each one of us. And we know this because scripture says this so powerfully about the mercy of God. In James 2.13, James says this, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So it doesn't matter how far down the path of sin we have went. Like David, seek God and his mercy. And the promise is that mercy triumphs over judgment. He will give it to you. Because it always triumphs. God always wants to give you grace, favour, compassion at the expense of his judgment. So may your song of 2022 be Mercy by Matt Redman. Redman says this. I'm just going to read these lyrics. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it to you. You'll be blessed by that. Redmond says, I will kneel in the dust at the foot of the cross where mercy paid for me, where the wrath I deserve. It is gone, it is past. Your blood has hidden me. Mercy, mercy, as endless as the sea. I'll sing your hallelujah for all eternity. May I never lose a wonder over oh, wonder of your mercy. May I sing your hallelujah. Hallelujah, amen. As David held on to God's mercy, having recognised that he was a sinner, may you also recognise your own sin and rebellion. And may you also turn to him, seeking his mercy, a mercy that's as endless as the sea. This leads us on to our second point this morning. So David looks to God for abundant mercy and David looks to God for complete forgiveness. David looks to God for complete forgiveness. Let's just have a look at verses 3 to 9 of our passage. David says this, For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. See, David has something here. Something that not all of us have on a regular basis. David has an awareness of his own sin. He has an awareness of his own sin. This is what he says in these verses. He says, I'm conscious of it. It's always before me, before my eyes. And it's against only you, God, that I have sinned. So David has this awareness. I've sinned. What a gift David has. A recognition of his own sin. So much so that it leads him down a path of seeking complete forgiveness. And what a gift for you in 2022. One where you're not just aware of your sin, but one where you're convicted by your sin, leading to you wholeheartedly seeking his complete forgiveness for your life. It's one thing being aware. It's another thing being convicted. And it's another thing seeking complete forgiveness for the sin in your life. Something shifts in verses 7 to 9. Having recognised how much he has fallen short, the extent of his own sin David then asks God to take it from him completely. He asks for his sin to be completely removed. And he has confidence that God can do this. He says, purify me. He says, wash me. He says, turn your face away from my sins. And in the second part of verse 9 in our translation this morning, the CSB, we read this from David. Blot out all my guilt. Blot out all my guilt. The New Living Translation, the same phrase is translated. Remove the stain of my guilt. 
Remove the stain of my guilt. So David isn't just recognizing sin as a problem in his life. He's also looking to the only one who can remove that stain from his life. Completely. Not just partially. Completely. You see, when we sin, no matter what it is we do and however big or small it may appear, it always leaves a mark. There's always something within our lives that's affected because of the sin that we carry. Yeah, a number of years back, when we lived in Motherwell, uh, we were trying to sell our flat. And we'd been trying to sell our flat, flat for a long time. Uh, the length of time it was taken was causing a lot of frustration. Um, and one of the things we noticed is that when we got a viewing, we were putting in loads and loads of effort trying to make our flat as presentable as possible for viewers. And we didn't get anything in return. There was no response to folk in terms of wanting to buy it. And on one occasion, after numerous viewings, we received a phone call saying there were three different viewings booked in, one on Wednesday and two on the following Sunday. And as these bookings were getting penciled in, we also noticed in one of the bathrooms there were these damp stains on the ceiling. Now, they weren't that big. We didn't look that bad, but we knew that to leave them unattended could potentially affect the sale of this property. We knew that it wouldn't really matter how clean our carpets were or how fragrant the rooms were. For someone to walk into property and to see dampness, that could be a game changer. It could really decide whether or not someone would buy the property. So we spent the Tuesday night after a small group in our old church, like busting a gut, 11 o'clock at night, covering up these stains with emulsion, preparation for the first few on the Wednesday and then the two on the Sunday. And we were ready. The Wednesday arrived and nobody turned up. And what made it worse is they didn't tell us they were going to turn up. The Sunday arrived, nobody turned up. It was a total waste of time. And you know, this is a picture of each one of us this morning. It doesn't really matter how many areas of our lives we get right. If you think of your, your life almost like a, a property with lots of different rooms, if we have sin in just one area, it will contaminate the entire area. It has a destructive impact on the entirety of our lives. Sin in one area will impact every single area of our lives. And it's Jesus and only Jesus who can completely remove the stain of sin from our lives as David prays in verse 9 so that we are completely new people. David knows this. David knows that not only will God show him mercy but God will completely remove the stain of sin from his own life no matter how far down the wrong path that he has went. And David understood this so well that he writes this in another psalm, Psalm 103 and verse 12. We read these words, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. So far he has removed our sin from us. As far as the east is from the west. You can't get any further away as the east from the west. And David wants us to understand. God wants us to understand that when we receive his forgiveness, this is how far removed we are from our sin. We are completely new people. David is stating here that you can't get any further away than that. We have a total forgiveness for our lives. Total forgiveness. Complete forgiveness, our second point. And it leads us on to our third point this morning and our final point. David looks to God for total renewal. David looks to God for total renewal. So David looks to God for abundant mercy for complete forgiveness, and number three, for total renewal. So what do I mean by total renewal? 
We'll take a moment to look at some of what David prays in verses 10 to 19 of a psalm. So David really does believe that God can change him. So verse 10, create a clean heart for me. Verse 10 again, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 12, restore the joy of your salvation to me. Again in verse 12, sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Verse 14, save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation. Verse 15, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Verses 18 to 19, in your good pleasure cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings, then bulls will be offered on your altar. So David is not looking back at his sin. He's not thinking about what's happened in the past. He's looking ahead to what God can do in his life. And he's believing God's going to change who I am as a person. David says, create, renew, restore, sustain, save, open, cause. He's looking forward, expecting of what God's going to do. God's going to make him into a new man. David really did believe that God was in the business of complete transformation. David recognized that God can completely change a person no matter how far gone they are in their sin. And I wonder this morning, do we honestly believe that? Do you believe that, that God can change you so that the, the sin of 2021 is no longer the sin of 2022? Complete transformation. Let this be a lesson for us in this new year. And it's not that God wants to just show you mercy or just take your sin from you in 2022. All of that is true. He does that because of all that he has, he has achieved for you on the cross. Alongside us, he does want to transform. He really does want to change so that the old sinful patterns of the flesh are gone. The new life of the Spirit becomes ever more apparent in this new year. Renewal is not just about our sin being taken from us. It's about being changed, freed from our sin, so that we become the people God has created us to be in Christ. Again, let me just ask, do you believe that God can do that this new year? In 2022, do you believe that God can change you? Do you believe that the work that God does in David is the same work that he can do in you and I in this year? Do you believe that God can create, renew, restore, sustain, save, open, cause, all for the glory of his name, so that each one of us are more and more conformed to his likeness, each one of us are more and more becoming trophies of his grace and the power of his spirit. You know, a dangerous prayer for you to pray this year is that this would happen to you in the new year. That through all that you face, the good and the bad, blessings and the trial, God would renew you. You would permit God to do his sanctifying work in you, resulting in you becoming more and more like Jesus. It's a dangerous prayer to pray, but what a prayer. How much God can work in our lives and changes. You know, I can't think of a single day in this new year where you don't pray these simple prayers. And they'll be up on the screen for us. We all need to, to pray these prayers every day because we all sin. We all fall short of God's standard. We all need his grace. So three simple prayers for us to pray every single day. God, show me your abundant mercy. Simply ask that, God, would you show me your abundant mercy? Second one, God, bless me with complete forgiveness. Forgive me for all the wrong I've done. And the final one, God, lead me towards total renewal 
Change me so that I become more and more like your son. Denison Baptist Church, I know there's not a lot of us here this morning, or low number this morning. There's a few of us watching online. But as we move into this new year, may this be the DNA of our prayer lives in 2022. And I believe something will happen when this becomes the DNA of your individual prayer life. You'll want to pray with your brothers and sisters and the church family that he has given you. You know, I've got a very simple prayer for this new year. And it's that 2022 will be a year unlike any other when it comes to our own prayer lives, both individually and as a church family. But we really do believe that God works through prayer and God will bless and lead us and change us as we pray individually, but also as we pray together as a church family. You know, when you look at the example of the early church, you discover there's, there's so many examples in the book of Acts where God's people came together and they prayed. When you read about great moments in history, when you see how God moves in certain nations among certain peoples at certain points in time, you'll see that all of it is preceded by prayer. People recognize the importance of prayer. Prayer is an act of humility, a recognition we can't do it on our own. We need his power and grace. And throughout history, when God turns up, people have prayed beforehand. The question it leaves us with is this. How much do you want to see God move in your own life? And how much do you want to see God move in the life of this church? If the answer is, I want to see God move mightily in 2022, both in my own life and in the life of DBC, then are you ready to pray? If you want to see God turn up this year, if you believe God can turn up this year, are you ready and willing to pray? Are you ready and willing to pray? Do you see this, this act of prayer, as one of the clearest expressions of fulfilling the great command, loving God with all that you are? Do you see prayer as one of the greatest ways in which we can fulfill that command? And do you, reckon, do you recognize that to fulfill the great commission in your life, to, to be a disciple who makes disciples, prayer has to be the beating heart of all that you are and all that you do? Do we see this? Prayer is both individual and collective. This is your own prayer life I'm talking about. But this is you surrendering some of your comfort so that you give your life over to focused times of prayer as a church family together. And the different points that we have opportunity for prayer throughout the week and at different points in the month and throughout all the months in this new year. You know, I wonder, what, what will God do? What is God going to do? I've got no idea what he's going to do, but I believe he's going to do something great when we as a church family commit 2022 to prayer. Only God knows. But one thing we can say for certain, we will be right in the middle of his will for our lives. And there's nothing more important than that. Nothing more important than being in God's will. And God's will is that his people would be a people of prayer. So let me just... Uh, let me just underline what our plan is when it comes to prayer for this new year. I'm just going to highlight uh, a few things that are happening in the weeks and months in 2022. Um, there's nothing new to any of this. It's just a tweaking of our, our sort of weekly and monthly plan that enables us to disciple better and be on mission more effectively. Um, so in the first week of the month, unless our, our DBC life meeting is on, which is where we discuss all that's happening within the life of the church, 
and those are on every four months, so February, June and October. Um, we'll have our Wednesday prayer and worship night, so that'll be on in the, the first uh, week of the month. So we encourage everyone to be a part of that. We're going to have that this Wednesday, and it's going to be pretty stripped back this Wednesday. We're just going to have a time of prayer together uh, from 7.30 to 8.30 and just seek God's face and ask that he would equip us and enable us in the year that lies ahead. So we encourage everyone to be connected uh, to that. So that'll be on the first week of every month. And then the second week, we'll have our missional communities. The third week, we'll have our men's and ladies' gatherings. So the men will meet on a Wednesday night, and the ladies will meet on a Friday, as they have been doing. And then week four and week five will be our missional communities. And over the summer, we'll basically just fill those with uh, missional community times when, and when we are available at different points. So this will be the normal pattern for us each month. But I believe week one is, week one is essential. It's so important we start our month in prayer as a church family. You know, we cannot do anything that we hope to do in 2022. When we think of Ridry, when we think of all that we're doing here in Denison, unless we as a church family are praying together. So this is a really important time, week one, because it really starts the month well, and it gives us a fresh vision of all that God has planned. And in each of these weeks, throughout this usual, usual monthly pattern, um, we'll continue our times of prayer on Zoom. And again, just in the next, the next slide for us, Johnny, um, we have our, our usual times of prayer. So Monday through to, to Sunday, we won't have any prayer on Saturday, but on a Sunday we would encourage you to come along, 10.15 to 10.30, after we've done rehearsal and once we've got everything set up, we come together 10.15 every Sunday and we ask that God would bless uh, our time as we worship together. We did it this morning, we're going to do it every Sunday. And these are all going to be in Zoom apart from Sunday. And again, we're not expecting everyone to be a part of all those times, but these are just windows, opportunities for you to come and to connect. And I know it's Zoom, I know we're, we're kind of zoomed out or not, but it's good for us just to have these times. So something more important than that our struggle with Zoom, and that is that we're praying together as a church family. So do connect in these times, and it may be the case you just pick one of those times in the week. Um, so a few of us, you know, pick a time and then use that time in the week as a focal point for you. So, yeah, take a note of those. I'll send those across to us. There's a very simple theological reason why we do this, why we pray together throughout the day, throughout the week and every week. There's a very simple theological reason why we have all that we have from week one to five in any given month. And it's this, we recognize that we need God's grace. We can't do any of this on our own strength. It's only as we pray together that we will see his presence and his power more and more within the life of the church. So it's simply an invitation for us. The invitation is there to connect in 2022, to join us as we surrender our lives to God and ask that he would lead and transform us as a church. Prayer is an essential part of that. Prayer is an essential, most vital part of that. So, an encouragement, a hope, and a challenge for us. And as I said at the very start, I'm both encouraged and challenged by all of that. Um, as we respond in worship now, I recognize you may want prayer this morning. Um, do speak to someone, speak to myself, speak to someone you trust. You may be overwhelmed by something today. There's maybe an illness or ailment you're carrying today. Maybe you need prayer for a particular situation. Perhaps you've never given your life to the Lord before. We can do that today. You can respond in faith to Jesus 
and recognise that he has the very best plan for your life as you confess your sin and as you receive his grace. Whoever you are, whatever you're facing, do connect with us. Open yourself to receiving prayer this morning as we respond in worship. And also as we respond in worship, I just want to invite those of us who love the Lord to come to the table as we start this new year to recognise all that God has done for us in Christ. We come to this table and enjoy, we say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us. And these elements represent Christ's sacrifice for us. It was in the night in which he was betrayed that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. So as we take this bread and drink this cup, it's an act of worship for those of us who are in Christ. We come to this table and we worship Jesus. We say, thank you, Jesus. You, you gave your very life for us so that I might have life. This is what we do when we come to this table. But we're also saying, thank you, Jesus, that you have a wonderful plan. A plan that goes all the way into eternity. A plan beyond this life and in the life to come. We're declaring our faith and trust in Christ when we come to this table. So I invite you, if you're here in person, to do that, if you have faith in him today. So let's respond in all of these ways. And again, just want to wish you all a happy new year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for, for all that you are to us. And we thank you for all that you have given. And we pray, Lord, that we would now receive. We would receive your goodness and grace. We would choose to be men and women of prayer. We would choose to connect in all the, the opportunities we have this year. And Lord, that we would experience transformation in our own lives. That revival would begin at home before we see revival amongst those who we know and love who don't know you. And we pray, Lord, especially for our particular sphere and the friends, family, work colleagues, neighbours who don't know you. We pray, Lord, that, that we would be rooted in prayer and in your word. And as we do that, we would be a shining light to those who don't know you. And they would experience your grace. They would come to live in faith in you through our witness and faithful example. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you bless us as we respond and worship now. In Jesus' name, amen.